Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Please go away. Let me speak for the love of God. Hey, Ben. <laughs> How does the intro to Everyone Was Kung Fu Fighting go? Oh, yeah. I can't remember what the uh-huh. intro Oh, that's right. There's a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, this is our chop socky episode, the kick assiest of all the episodes. And obviously, this is a podcast; you can't see our lips moving. But I do promise you, for this episode, our mouths are slightly off sync with our voices. Nothing but integrity here, mate. No, it's like we're we're. Uh... Dedicated, so we're hundred percent committed. <laughs> so, how are you, Ben Sam? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. Welcome to Good Movie Monday, everybody. Hope you're good too. This is the podcast all about movies, presented by FakeShemp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. My name is Glenn Cochran, and while you should probably consider me to be the Zen master of this show, today I'm much more of a short round. Um, with me is Ben Helwig, also known as Kung Fu Panda, but you can call him Poe. How are you, gentle sir? I'm good. I wish you would have told me that we were going to, uh, <laughs> you're going to be doing that. I would have come up with some witty, like you're asking me to think of my feet and that is not my strong suit. <laughs> that's what we have here for. <laughs> yeah, just for, <laughs> just for the awkward pauses of me trying to think of something witty to say. <laughs> this is like a proverbial bus stop and I just throw you just yeah, yeah. <laughs> out there. <laughs> Well, you can find us wherever you get your podcast from. Some of those places include iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. Just do the shortcut thing and Google us. You'll find us. Keep listening because the Dragon Force will be coming up today with doing what they do best. So we've got Jarrett with his home entertainment update, Guillermo with news from Screen Realm, Adam with a five-star recommendation, and those lads from Bonehead Weekly talking with funny accents. They have funny accents. They're, they're very Southern. But they're they're legitimately southern. That's they're not right. like uh, you know British people doing a, like a, can you do an American accent? Uh, yes, and they and it's only southern. <laughs> like oh, well, yeah. as I alluded a moment ago, this is our chop socky episode. Ben, what 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 the fuck is chop socky? Oh, it's technically it's supposed to be. Uh, it's a, I don't even know if it's a derogatory name. I don't think it's a derogatory name. There's going to there's gonna be a lot of derogatory things, things happening in on this episode. <laughs> But it's just a, it's just what you know. It was just the affectionate name that um, people had for the uh, the kung fu movies of the sixties and seventies, uh, specifically in, in the US when um, all of the Hong Kong movies and stuff hit. Well, I guess chop suey and, in and of itself is like a cheap Asian meal. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. So chop socky is a cheap Asian. Yeah. Meal. Well, it's, yeah. The socky is the punching part. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's right. like, yeah. It was I, a. It was. I think. I think. Yeah. Chop suey must have been a pretty popular. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, to, to, in prep, I watched that Iron Fist and Kung Fu yeah, Kicks uh, doco again. And that's like, it's a good, like, you know, we played it at Monster Fest uh, in 2019. 
and it is a good doco, the fir- or at least the first half. It is a decent doco, though it does seem seemingly mainly only talk to Americans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about this, you know, American film historians. Not so much in the way of, you know, there's a couple of people here and there, but no actual kind of Asian film historians. But uh, they don't really, they don't really go into the. Into the origins of the names and stuff, like you know that kind of stuff. They don't really know so, much about anything. But they, I mean, they, they, when they, 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 you know, they talk about Shaw Brothers and they talk about Golden Harvest and you know the kind of the big names and you know Jackie Chan get comes up and Bruce Lee comes up and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, they don't really get into the. They don't talk about the theatrical side of things, like yeah. the. You know the the. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm like I, I know for a fact I'm way out of my depth on this one. <laughs> oh no, I have no, I have no idea. Like, I, I don't know. As is everybody involved in this show, I reckon. In this show, yeah. Like, I, like the the movies I'm going to be talking about today. I think there's only one that actually falls that sits in the right category. They're all much later. They're yeah, all set much later. I did miss the opportunity when I asked you to explain Chop Socky. I should have asked you to enlighten people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, first things first. Before we get started, we normally um we normally jump straight to celebrity death watch. I don't think anyone's died this week. Yeah, you say that now, and that's yeah, this is being recorded on Friday night. There's a long there's a long two days ahead of us before this episode drops. Yeah, that's true. You know, so who knows? Well, in who do you, ca- you reckon, Betty White? Oh, far out, man. <laughs> Maggie Smith. It's uh, maybe Jet. No. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say maybe Jet Li or Jackie Chan, <laughs> mate, or uh, Donnie Yen. Could be. I mean, they're all pretty young though. But you know, you know people die young. This is like Wheel of Fortune, just spin a wheel, spin a- wheel of fish, <laughs> <laughs> to be, to be exact. Wheel of celebrity death. <laughs> I'll take Jackie Chan for a thousand. Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> oh, it'd be so. It'd be horrible if Jackie Chan died. It would be. But hopefully, if he does, it's by jumping off a building, doing what he loves best. <laughs> That's right. Hey, how's about those um, Disney films being removed from streaming services last week? Oh, were more removed? Yeah. Well, or is this, are we talking... Um... Dumbo and Peter Pan and Aristocrats and Swiss Family Robinson all been removed from the streaming service because they're culturally insensitive. Swiss Family Robinson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even a sound effect that you put in there. It's just a happy coincidence. <laughs> I don't think do they do they run into natives or something on the island? I thought they were they were all alone. They are. I can't figure out what that is. Like, I, were there natives? It's been a long time since I've seen that. Yeah, all I remember is the awesome treehouse that they built. <laughs> That's right. I look. I and I I, I can completely uh, comprehend what's culturally insensitive about those other films. You know, you've got the the Jim remember. the Jim Crow characters from Dumbo. You know, the black jive crows. You know, okay. What's happening, brother? That kind of thing. Um, and then Peter Pan, I can't quite work out where the... Oh, the Indians, Tiger yes, Lily and all course, that stuff. Yes, of course, of course, of course. Yes. I find this the absurd. Aristocats. Arist- Does that mean they're cats? They're, aristocrats? Well, they're aristocrats. The aristocrats? <laughs> well, they're not aristodogs. That's the problem. I don't Where's know the diversity? The, uh, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. I find this absurd. It's a bit of a slippery <laughs> slope. I mean, the thing is, like, I, I watched, um, funnily enough, last week I, w- I watched uh, the three... I think it was the three... Cavaliers, yeah. Which was, you know, the American government came to Disney and said, we're scared that Mexico is sliding into communism. Mm. So can you do something to show them how awesome America is and, and how well we kind of go together and stuff yep. like that and how much, you know, how, you know, how buddy-buddy we are. 
and so Donald Duck takes a trip down to South America and is shown around by Sam Toucan and there's another bird that I can never remember. Yep. And uh, like Carmen Miranda is there and, right. you know, all that sort of stuff. And it was, and it's, a, you know, it's a, it was, I remember loving, and there's a, there's a second one, there's Saludos Amigos as well, mm. which is the, um, the second one or maybe it's the other way around. Well, the fact that which. Speedy Gonzales is, you know, hot, hot on everyone's lips at the moment, maybe the three, three Cavalier is the next. A next. But it does, there's actually, literally at the start of it, there it does come up with a warning saying, we understand that this is you know, maybe cultural, culturally, you know, insensitive and things like that, but in the spirit of, like, a historical document. Context, yep. You know. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I have no issue. Like, I think it's unnecessary, but I have no no issue with them putting those little disclaimers at the front, you know, because it leaves the film intact, you know, but, like, contextualise people. Like, you know. Yeah. We contextualise. I mean, it's, it's that easy. But it, I, I feel if you feel triggered or... Or offended, just you know, choose not to be. Just you know, move on to something else. Well, that's it. I mean, look, it's perfectly. I think it's. I mean, look, it's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How can I talk? Like I'm a you know, a middle-aged white guy. But uh, you you kind of think that. You know, going forward, yes, you don't want to do that kind of thing. But, it like that's literally what people. That's what that's what white people did in yeah. the sixties and seventies, and. Pretending they never did does not exactly help solve the problem. And I also find, you know, we're going to move on in a second, but I also find that, you know, we are cancelling things on behalf of other people. You know, because, for example, the Speedy Gonzales thing, it's the Space Jam movie, they've had to remove him from it. Uh, he was voiced by that fluffy comedian, you know, the big fat Spanish guy, the fluffy Mexican guy? He, that's his character name, Fluffy. Something Inglacius. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's yeah. come out and said, you've just removed the Mexican from the movie. Like, yeah. you know, that's very culturally appropriate for us, that character. You know, he's the hero. Always yeah. has been. But Pepe Le Pew, on the other hand, he's just yeah. <laughs> a sleazy rapist. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Get rid of him. <laughs> anyway, uh, some other news before we move on. Bruce Campbell confirmed that the next Evil Dead movie is shooting in New Zealand this year. Wow. It's called Evil Dead Rise. Are you just totally screwing out uh, Guillermo? <laughs> Oh, like, probably. Like you do, probably. Probably. Well, Gemma, get your damn segments in on time, buddy. <laughs> but, you know, Evil Dead, you can't hear this news more you know, enough. You know, so just double, yeah, yeah, doubling yeah, down. Doubling here. down. If he, does, if he doesn't mention it, then... Uh, yeah. um, double, double down. <laughs> Evil Dead Rise apparently is um, the first installment to be removed from the woods completely and it takes place in a city in a high-rise apartment complex. Do you remember back in the early days of the internet, Drew's <laughs> scriptorama on the internet? Yeah, vaguely. It was a, it was it was a website repository of all of these scripts, and it was like there was a lot of stuff on there, like things that had never been made, yep. or would never get made. And the, it, the only thing I can remember actually downloading and reading from there was an Evil Dead Four script. Yeah, it was pretty much all set in in an SMART, and it was directly, directly. At, Okay, after the end of Armies of Darkness, but the yeah the the S Mart ending yes, and it kind of took on from took off from there. Sure, which makes sense. Which is what you would do, and it was like it was a really good script. I remember thoroughly enjoying it. Well, that's that's where they they took the TV show from. Yeah, that's essentially what happened. Except yeah, they just did it. Uh, was it he's like twenty years older and but still uh, working in the S Mart? Still S-Mart. working in the S Mart. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. um for season one and two they weren't allowed to reference Army of Darkness. And then they got permission for season three and it all sort of got retconned and 
Yeah. But anyway, yeah. this will be, what, the fifth installment for the film franchise. And I think it's interesting. They're going for a whole new character, a new female, not the previous female. And Oh, so they're, they're pretending the TV show doesn't exist? No, they'll work that in too, I reckon. I think right. they, they, they're fairly precious about the universe. Like, even that reboot film ties in with the Ash universe, so. Does it? Yeah, there's Does Easter it? eggs all throughout. So when they arrive at the um, cabin, his Oldsmobile is still there where it was parked previously. I think right. the... the the language being spoken by the demon is history repeats, history repeats, that kind of thing. Like they just lay that foundation, okay. and then Ash pops up at the end in the credits. And yeah, I probably should have. Uh, <clears throat> I, like I only saw it theatrically. And yeah, I didn't. I've got the D, I've got the Blu-ray, but I haven't gone back and watched it with any of the commentary yeah. or any of the extras. So, I <laughs> but I never went to see it again. Evil Dead is a type it. of movie that our our listeners would love. You know, so that's why I covered that. Yeah, do do it. love like they should. Like, I mean, if you haven't seen, if you don't know what we're talking well, about when we say Evil Dead. We are presented by FakeShemp.net. Yeah. Like, that, that says it all right it there. should really... Uh... <laughs> um, hey, whilst we're just, you know, we're talking about things that are culturally insensitive, I just want to say for a moment that Jeez. that the word Orient we... and Oriental is probably going to be mentioned quite a bit in this episode. And I was, you know, reading up on the word Oriental, it's been cancelled apparently. You know, except for Maggi, they still make Oriental noodles, so go figure. But apparently, because of the fact that the Orient put together all of the Asian cultures into one sort of term, right? It got it got deemed to be an insensitive thing to say. But isn't that like also saying Europe? Yeah, or, well, that's uh, the Middle thing. East? And it's been when you read up on I it, it's know. been a point of contention. I've only just heard it, but yes, uh, you've you've got a lot of um, historians saying no, this is a, a good thing. You know, it's it's it's. It's a ro- I think it's a romantic term. Like I think back to the Orient yeah, in movies. It's the mysterious Orient. The mystique. It was the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, but what I find interesting is the new Disney film that's just come out, that Raya and the Dragon, which has been doing great, you know, gangbusters. The director came out and said, what makes our film so special is that we take all of the Asian cultures and put it into one. Yeah. I'm like, that's the Orient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so if that's a word that you don't particularly like, um, we're going to be talking about some films that have Orient and Oriental in the in the name. I mean, there is like like a, a bunch of the films that um, I watched in prep for this episode and stuff. Like they are, they do they do focus on the tensions between like Japan and China. And, yeah, yeah. You know, Taiwan and China and yeah, and I think historically the word Oriental also encompassed some of the Middle Eastern cultures, like you know. The, the far northern ones. So yeah. that's and, and there's also, I mean, there's also issues like so much of this stuff is um, American centric, like the way that, that, you know, you know, in history, maybe um, the Americans used mm. Oriental as a derogatory term or a, maybe like a slang term. And you like the rest of the world is being tarred with this brush yeah. because, yeah, you know, and you're like, well, we're not all, we're not all American. That's right. That's, yep. Absolutely. So, you chop socky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when it comes to this stuff, I feel that our generation had it pretty good with, with these type of movies. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, most of the... They, they're, they're, fight, they're fight flicks. They're just cheap, highly stylized, you know, yeah. not often polished, but, you know, damn fun. Yeah, well, I mean, look, it was a factory. There was a... Like, at the time, like, the, the, the specifically the 60s and 70s, Shaw Brothers and Golden Harvest, like, these things, they churned out six movies a... Yep. you know, a month kind of thing, or they were working on three at the same time. And, yep. you know, so they were definitely, it was definitely a formula. And they lived, everyone lived in, in um, on the studio a lot, all the actors, all the technicians. Yep. It was all completely controlled by Run Run Shaw. Total industry. 
So what was what was your first recollection of watching like these type of movies? Well, the first, the first, my first recollection of any of them, real like I mean, it was ninety nine percent of it is actually the pilot episode for Kung Fu (laughs) with David Carradine (laughs) because my grandmother had taped it off TV Mm. and she she was a she um only like she did speak a little English but she mostly spoke German. Mm. So when we'd go around to her house, her and my father would, you know, talk to each other. And me and my sister would just be sitting there with nothing, literally nothing to do. So we'd put on TV and she had, she had the pilot episode of Kung Fu. She had <laughs> Hans Christian Andersen spread across two tapes, the Danny Kaye Fantastic. version. Um, I can't remember. There was a couple of other things, but mainly, so it was <laughs> like, well, do you want to watch Hans Christian Andersen again? Oh no! I'll just watch. How lucky were you? How lucky my nan had bloody careful. He might hear you on VHS taped off the tally. Yes, yeah. She had a copy of that as well. Never watched it. (laughs) Staple in any grandmother's house. Yeah, I don't know. Like when they love Wendy Hughes, Um, (laughs) nans for Wendy Hughes. Um, Well, nans for Chop Socky, obviously. Obviously, yeah. (laughs) I mean, she must have recorded it for us. I assume she would have had zero interest in it. Just the pilot, but just the pilot. Never any other episodes. (laughs) Like it wasn't until I got the. The import box set of season one, and I'm like, I realized like there's more to this. I realized that everything I'd watched was just that first episode, and like you know, and which was movie, pretty much movie length, the pilot. Yeah. And then the second episode, I'm like, this is like slow, and what the hell is going on? But that was my first, that was my first exposure to it. And then going down to the video store near her house, they had a, it was a video flash, and they had a massive martial arts section. And, yep. And th- seeing things like 36 Chamber of Shaolin. Yes. But that it was presented almost like a horror film. Yeah, like right. Like it looked, like to me, I, like it looked scary. Like it was like, what's in that 36 Chamber? Like I thought it was like a... <laughs> sure it know, wasn't erotic ghost stories just packaged in the wrong box. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I would have I been all over that. <laughs> like I could read, so I knew what... Uh, well, for me, I think my earliest memories were like your, your Jackie Chan Dragon Lords and, you know, Drunken Master. Cause, but more because your mates were into it and that was kind of a thing to do. Yeah. But for me as a collector, when I started really investing in them was, do you remember in the late 90s, there was this little boom. Before House of Flying Daggers, you had stuff like the Storm Riders and Man Called Hero and stuff like that. These were big box office things in, in, in Japan. I remember... I- didn't force video put them out they here. They may have. They may <laughs> on have. DVD. I had them like, on VHS. Right. Yeah. I mean, I do remember them, but I never, like, I was, no, I don't remember, really remember any of, like, I remember them coming out, like, yeah. Heroic Trio and stuff like that, but I never watched any of them. Yeah. They weren't, like, Rumble in the Bronx was the kind of big one that kind of brought yeah. martial arts movies back into focus, mm-hmm. I feel. Yep. Um, and then you started paying more attention to them. Sure. Um, but yeah, I just remember like in high school, maybe about 14, 15, the mates would go to the video store, grab all these Jackie Chan. There was just like, it was like, you know, they were saying kids playing Street Fighter. Like it was just, you know, yeah. that kind of time. But yeah, no, Storm Rider Riders in particular had Sonny Chiba. And I'd known about Sonny Chiba because I'd heard True Romance talking about, you yeah. know, Sonny Chiba. And so the, the, the zeitgeist was right. Like everything in the air was all about martial arts at that time for me. So yeah. that's how I got into it. But um, we're going to talk a little bit more about some movies that uh, that we've both <laughs> made note of that, that quite likely are not actually chops. No, no, officially. I'd be, I'm very <laughs> interested to see if we've picked the same films. Well, we'll find out in a moment. Uh, we'll continue just after Jarrett gives us a bit of a lowdown on 
what is or isn't coming out. Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Now, it's another weird week for releases. There are, in fact, new movies coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. However, they're the kind of films that maybe you'd take your grandmother to see or perhaps you would gift her tickets so she could go and see it with, I don't know, your granddad, a friend, anyone that's not fucking you. So in any case, rather than talk about those titles, I would rather focus on a little bit of news. What's coming out soon? So let's kick off with the most exciting home entertainment news in my book, and that's the fact that Sony Pictures Home Entertainment in the United States are going to release Last Action Hero on 4K Ultra HD. I'm excited. Like, I mean, I love this movie. I loved it since I saw it theatrically. I watched it countless times on video. I've owned it on every format, VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, and I can't wait to add the 4K Ultra HD to my collection. And Sony are going to town with this release. They've actually restored the film in 4K from the original camera negative, and they've added HDR10, so it should really make that image pop. Plus, there's a new Dolby Atmos track, and if you know me, you know I love those Dolby Atmos tracks. Then there's an audio commentary with the director, John McTiernan. And that's exciting because whoever thought that we'd hear John talk about Last Action Hero given, you know, it's poor box office performance, the fact that, you know, it was basically maligned since release. But, you know, in all honesty, if you're an Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, then you probably love Last Action Hero. I mean, I love it. I hold it up there high among his best films. In any case, there's a commentary track. There's deleted and alternative scenes, which I'm really excited about because this is the first time we'll see these. And they're also presented in 4K with HDR10. So they're going the extra mile with that. There's even an alternate ending, again presented in 4K with HDR10. Then ACDC's music video for Big Gun has been added. There's also the original vintage behind the scenes featurette and the teaser trailer for the film. So I'm absolutely stoked that this is coming out on 4K Ultra HD. However, you will need to import it as unfortunately at this point in time it's not getting a local release and that's because the film's license currently sits with Umbrella Entertainment and they only just released the film in a double pack with Hudson Hawk on Blu-ray maybe about 18 months ago and they're actually releasing the film on DVD funnily enough uh, in the coming months so yeah this is a definite import at this point in time. Then other titles coming out internationally from Universal Pictures include John Landis's classic Animal House is going to get the 4K treatment, which is phenomenal, and it's going to put all the legacy special features over. I don't know what the sound formats are for this one, whether it will have Atmos or DTS uh, X, but I don't honestly think it really needs it. I mean, it'll be great to see it in pristine quality, and let's face it, of course I'm going to upgrade it. I love John Landis, I love Animal House, and I love the 4K Dry HD format. Then also being released is The Sting. What a classic film. I mean, I know Glenn likes The Sting too. And look, I'm, I'm a fan. It's got Oliver Reed in it. But the Sting is like an all-time classic. And it's getting the 4K Ultra HD treatment. I don't know too much in terms of its restoration as to whether it's from the original negative. I don't know anything about the sound. All I know is it's going to port all the legacy features over from the previous Blu-ray, which is pretty cool. And that one's actually going to get a local release too. Because both those films are dropping on uh, May 18th in the US. But The Sting will come out locally on 4K Ultra HD on May 26th, so mark that one down in your diary. Then, okay, so this is the big local news. The big local news, because this one has not been announced for any other territory yet, is that Roadshow will release Zack Snyder's Justice League on 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray and DVD on May 25th. Of course, this comes two months after its broadcast, as it will be broadcasting on Binge this week. So if you've got Binge, 
get on it and watch it. It's going to be up there, you know, exact timing with HBO Max in the United States. So it's pretty cool. I'm curious to give it a look. I mean, Josh Whedon's Justice League was pretty shit. But anyway, I'm curious to see Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's got to be better than Zack Snyder's Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. Until next week, stay physical. Big ups to Jarrett. Tidy work as always. All right, well, I guess there's uh, there's no real method to this madness. Let's talk about chop socky movies. I would like to kick this one off, if that's okay. Go for it. Uh, this is a favorite of mine. I first saw it on VHS. My local video store had it, but wouldn't let me hire it because it was R-rated. Um, but my dad had no problem going back and getting it for me. Good old dad. It's the amazing 1985 movie, Pray for Death. Pray for death. Do you have that on your list? No, it's not on my list. I did not. No, <laughs> no, uh, Shokusagi uh, movie made it onto my list, and that's because I couldn't. I couldn't. I was trying to think. Like I had a fourth film. Yep. Like, and I was trying to work it out today, and I was like, but I couldn't remember it. And it was actually, it would have been Enter the Ninja. Oh, uh, like, yeah. Now that you said that, well, that's what it would have been because that was one of the movies my grandmother also had on tape. We're in the same ballpark anyway. Yeah. Like, the, it's not an actual Japanese production. It's an, an American production cashing in on the ninja craze of the time. Yeah. And this is a ninja that looks like Shredder from Ninja Turtles. Like, yeah. he had the full, remember that cover of the VHS? Yeah. He had the full metal mate face mask and all that armor. Oh, awesome stuff as a kid looking at that cover. Yeah, totally. I reckon I knew the cover of that for years before I actually got a chance to watch the movie. <laughs> but it's hilarious. It's hilarious in it tries to be serious because it's about like a, a former ninja who's, you know, his wife convinces him to move to America or whatever to lead a normal life, but his past comes back to haunt him and they kidnap his son and he, his ninja skills come back into the fold. <laughs> he, yeah. just, he flips over cars and like, you know, it's the worst choreographed ninja stuff since Enter the Ninja, but I'll tell you what, if it's not a fun movie and violent, it's like yeah. really violent. Yeah, I know. They're, they're all, that whole series. Yep. Because um, I think, because <laughs> it's not part of that trilogy, because there's the, the trilogies. Of, Are you talking Enter the Ninja? Well, there's Enter the, there's. Because um, I'm talking Pray for Death. Yeah, Pray for Death, but there was, because it's the same guy. It's Shokusagi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the thing. But then there was the trilogy, which was um, Enter the Ninja. Revenge of the Ninja and then Ninja Three: The Domination, <laughs> which is like the the weirdest of them all because it's a uh, it's the cult it's title of the three of the three, yeah, and it's about an aerobics instructor who get who gets possessed by the spirit of an evil ninja, <laughs> and the evil ninja. I remember the first time I watched it, I'm like, that's the that's the guy that trains Michael Dudikoff in American Ninja. <laughs> when did he become evil, mate? Like it's okay, just, just it didn't occur to at that age. I was like. It's a multiverse. The same person. Like they're not. It's not an actor playing a different, uh, a different. Person. I have the the Ninja trilogy on Blu-ray, but they're imports, so it just says Ninja One, Ninja Two, two Ninja, Ninja three. three. Yeah, but you know, geez, they're good. Uh, anyway, it's the exact type of hokey martial arts movie that I like the most. Um, Pray for death. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. It is on YouTube in 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 its full uncut version, and it's glorious. It's widescreen. It's HD. It's yeah, delicious. It's everything. It's and it's one of the ones that was kind of cut. Yeah. When it came over here, which... Well, like I said, it's violent, you know. Yeah. Back in then, that was a lot of swords making contact with flesh, you know, which American movies weren't doing. Weren't doing, but that, I mean, that was a staple of the um, of the 60s and 70s Shaw Brothers movies. Like, they were like, yep. you watch like the Five Venoms or something, there's not five minutes goes past in that film where someone isn't being impaled on a three-pronged what is it, the, um, spear thing. What is it Marty says in Back to the Future? You know, I guess you're just not ready for that, but your kids are going to love, love it. it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got? Uh, well, okay, so 
this is the only one of of the films that I I picked that um is actually set in uh, it was actually made in the sixties <laughs> that actually fits the the actual description of it, of Chop Socky and that's um uh, King Who's nineteen ninety six epic Come Drink with Me right which uh, stars Cheng Pei Pei who would later go on and is probably more known to to audiences now as being the She's the mentor slash maid of Zhang Ziyu in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. You are really good at pronouncing names in this. Oh, I don't even know. It's completely. <laughs> I, felt, I was I was listening to uh, the Empire podcast, uh, <laughs> the three hour one, where Quentin Tarantino and Edgar Wright talk about British yep. movies for th- for three hours. Yeah, and they were talking about J. Lee Thompson's um, Ch- uh, Charles Bronson movie. Uh, which I've always said, Kinjite, Forbidden Objects. Yeah. But then Quentin Tarantino's like, Kinjete, Forbidden Objects. And I'm like, have I been saying it wrong <laughs> my entire life? Like, I mean, it's the, and I'm like, but I don't even know why he's mentioning the title. Like, all you have to say is, it's the movie where Charles Bronson walks into the hotel with a suitcase and the only thing in the suitcase is a giant dildo. <laughs> because he's got to flex his movie brain. Yeah. Like, it's the dildo, it's the suitcase dildo movie. Yeah. Tell, uh, me, tell me more about this one. We are Kinjate or come drink with me. <laughs> come drink with me. Because <laughs> Kinjate, I don't think it has any. Re- I mean, it does has a little bit of martial arts, but not really. So you but have um, settled on the title. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to trust that Quentin Tarantino is saying it correctly, <laughs> but he could be totally just have made it up. Um, but come drink with me. It's it's like it, it's a. It was actually uh, Hong Kong's entry for best international film at the Oscars uh, of that year in 1966. But Cheng Pei Pei is like her, her, she's the um, brother of a, I think he's like a general in, in um, one of the kind of local area ma- uh, magistrates kind of armies yeah. and he gets kidnapped by this, kind of these outlaws and so she, she kind of goes in undercover to, to rescue him and she's aided by this um, guy, um, his name's Fan, who's like, when you first meet him, he's masquerading as a drunk. Like he's like a like a like a total drunken master type buffoon. There's a lot of drunkenness going on in these a, movies. You know they love you know they love the gourds <laughs> in these movies. Um, but basically, it's and she was one of the kind of the early um, actresses in martial arts films who could actually do martial arts. They weren't just edited around. Yep. They weren't dancers that they just edited around. Mm-hmm. Like she was actually one of the ones who could do a lot of the she moves. Kick ass, yeah. And it like it is like a really kind of and I think she I think she's. Look, I don't want to, I don't want to go on the record as quoting the history of it and saying she's the first, but she was one of the big stars. Mm-hmm. And she prior to that, because um, Shaw Brothers was like it was a a movie studio, mm-hmm. and they pumped out every kind of movie, like a lot of romantic comedies, yep. spy kind mm-hmm. of um, spoofs, like a whole bunch of stuff. And she had done her fair share of of all of those things, but um, you know, this was a kind of big breakout. This, this found her niche, her. yeah. yeah. And it was like, and there is like, there's a great, because like, it is incredibly violent and mm-hmm. there's great stuff of just this kind of, she's like this tiny, tiny woman being attacked by eight or nine guys and just massacring them all. It is, it is an excellent. Which is excellent a motive film. that found its way into Kill Bill and the likes, yeah. you know, for sure. And what, Lady Blood or whatever years to come. You yeah, know, Lady Snowblood, yeah. Lady Snowblood, yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, anything else to add to that? Uh, no. <laughs> Well, this is an exciting moment because, well, we're going to throw to Guillermo first <laughs> and then an exciting moment, as if that's not exciting enough. You're going to find out, um, or you're going to bear witness to one of the greatest moments in the history of this show. 
Okay. What's happening everybody, it's Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favorite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. Let's chat a little bit about what we've covered in the past week, kicking off with another week, another Netflix acquisition. This time they've got themselves a Christian Bale gothic horror film. The streaming giant has paid around 55 million US, which is around 71.3 Australian million, for the worldwide rights to the pale blue eye. A gothic horror thriller set to reunite Oscar winner Christian Bale with Out of the Furnace and Hostiles director Scott Cooper. Now that's reportedly the highest that's ever been paid for a worldwide distribution deal at the European film market. The Pale Blue Eye will be set in 1830 and find Bale playing a veteran detective looking into a series of murders at the US Military Academy at West Point. The detective is helped by a detail-oriented cadet, a person the world will eventually know as classic author Edgar Allan Poe. Cooper will be directing from his own screenplay an adaptation of Louis Bayard's 2013 novel of the same name and he'll also be producing with Bale, John Lesher and Tyler Thompson. As of now the plan is to have cameras on the pale blue eye rolling in the latter half of 2021. This marks yet another big acquisition for Netflix. I recently told you guys that the streamer paid 18 million dollars for US rights to Liam Neeson action thriller The Ice Road. Elizabeth Banks has lined up her third feature as director following Pitch Perfect 2 and 2019's Charlie's Angels. Banks will be directing Cocaine Bear, a Universal Pictures project that's been described as a character-driven thriller inspired by true events that took place in Kentucky in 1985. This is one bizarre true story. As was reported by the New York Times back in 1985, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations found a deceased 175-pound black bear that had died of a cocaine overdose, which is, by the way, the biggest cocaine overdose in history. The bear, you see, had consumed around 40 kilos of cocaine. As for how that even happened, Andrew Thornton, a former narcotics officer turned drug kingpin and smuggler, threw packages from his airplane during a mid-flight from Colombia. He then parachuted out, only to get tangled in the parachute and fall to his death due to carrying too big a load. His body was found with a duffel bag holding 75 pounds, around 34 kilos of cocaine. The bear was actually found three months later. Nowadays, you can see the taxidermied animal, dubbed Pablo Escobar, of course, at the Kentucky Fun Mall. Seriously. Cocaine Bear's screenplay will be coming from Jimmy Warden, his second feature script being produced after Netflix horror comedy sequel, The Babysitter Killer Queen. Cameras on Cocaine Bear are expected to begin rolling later this year. In more Netflix news, Kurt Sutter, writer of Jake Gyllenhaal film Southpaw and writer-creator of Sons of Anarchy and its spin-off Mayans MC, will be making his feature directorial debut with a Netflix film titled This Beast. Sutter will also be writing and producing the film, which also has big name producer Jason Blum on board via his Blumhouse banner. Another truish story here, this beast is inspired by the Beast of Givauden, I hope I'm saying that right, a wolf-like creature that terrorized a French province in between 1764 and 1767. Some reports estimate that this beast killed around 500 people. Netflix's synopsis for the film is as follows. An 18th century English village is besieged by a mysterious and elusive beast. Dozens of innocents are slaughtered and the mayhem is driven to puritanical heights by religious fanaticism. The impossible task of killing the beast falls to a lowly trapper who promises he cannot stop the carnage. But for him, this hunt is not a professional mission, it's a deeply personal one. No word as yet on who will play this trapper. And fantastic Aussie actress Toni Collette is making her directorial debut with Writers and Lovers, an adaptation of the novel by Lily King. The book follows Casey Peabody, an aspiring writer in the 90s whose life is thrown into chaos by her mother's death 
and A Recent Affair. Palette will also be among the film's producers. That about us for me guys, ScreenRealm.com for your latest movie news, TV news, trailers, reviews, all that jazz. Thanks so much for having me, I'm out of here.
that then is the reason that we've decided to dedicate an entire show to Chop Socky, <laughs> and I believe this was your doing. I just wanted to play the song. Like, yeah. I know you play music uh, during the show that I don't get to hear here in the studio. Uh, and uh, I, for some reason, I was on YouTube and uh, listening to theme songs to movies. And this one came on and I'm like, this is such a great, such a great kind of catchy tune. And I was like, Can we, I just, I'll recommend They Call well, Me Bruce. I embraced uh, it. At the end of the show and just play this song. Like I thought I'd get in early and like, I know you choose the songs every week, but like, how about how about this one, mate? We're in and, it together. Uh, yeah, we're doing mate, it. It's a whole show about it. We, you said, can we do that? And I'm like, we're going to do a whole show sure. around that. <laughs> that was Oriental Boy from They Call Me Bruce soundtrack from uh, 1982. What a song! Between that and Sky High from The Man from Hong Kong, I think you've earned your black belt there, mate. <laughs> or at least a tan. At least a tan belt. Uh, anyway, before that, obviously we had Guillermo. Uh, thank you very much. Update from Screen Realm. Do yourself a favor. Head over to ScreenRealm.com. Um, give them a like, follow, all that kind of stuff. Let's talk about They Call Me Bruce for a moment. What a classic. What a, an absolute. I would go so classic. far as to say it's it's almost a forgotten film now. Not, not a lot of people know about it. It used to be, when I was in my 20s, it was a big stoner film. Yeah. Like the stoners would love to put to put it on, get high, and piss themselves laughing. I kind of feel like, too, this was one of those films along with The Gods Must Be Crazy that kind of had this weird international thing that we've sort of got our fingers all over. Like, you know, the Western audience is really embracing. Did you know that in other parts of the world, including the United States, the film's called A Fistful of Chopsticks? It doesn't surprise I mean, it doesn't surprise me. It's a good title. <laughs> it is a good title. <laughs> I just I just remember being shocked, and even now when I look back at it, that it's it's uh, Margot Hemingway. Like it's like a <laughs> relatively big. Like I mean, she's the she's the I think the niece of Ernest Hemingway. Like she's not uh, you know, and she was in big movies at the time, and then would later go on and uh, unfortunately uh, pass away pretty young. Mm. But like still, like I mean, she's not Meryl. She's not getting it. She didn't get a breast job for the for. For the for the role, like uh, like uh, Mariel would later on, but still like a pretty big deal. Yeah, for sure. If you've never heard of They Call Me Bruce, uh, it is essentially about a little Asian guy that's mistaken for Bruce Lee by most American people simply because of the fact that no, he well he plays on it. He, he yeah, but to... once, but but he doesn't he get like um mis- mistaken for him first and then plays on it. He realizes there's gain to be had. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just a comedy with of errors. Women. With, with women. women, he does it. Because, but the, the thing, the, the beauty of it is, is because at the start, he's like a, he comes to, he comes to America. He's, he's a grandfather who's, who hasn't taught him martial arts. <laughs> but he's supposed to, it's like that kind of uh, mental character has, told, has passed away. But on his deathbed, he said, go to New York and find this prostitute that I <laughs> loved right. once. Because he's like, you know what the secret of the, the secret of the universe is? <laughs> women. <laughs> It's like, like, uh, so that's the whole reason he comes to America. And then he ends up working for like mobsters as yep. their chef. Yeah. I was going to say, he works in a little restaurant, but then gets yeah. hooked up in the whole underworld. And yeah, then they, they, well, they, yeah, cause he's their chef and he, <laughs> they, they're all of their, all of their, um, cocaine shipments are being hit. So they decide to, uh, send him in because no one knows him, but they tell him that it's a uh, special, uh, special flower. <laughs> yeah. And he's delivering it to other restaurants, and he doesn't uh, know that it's it's uh it's he's a he's basically a courier for uh 
He's like a cocaine mule. And if you do get a chance to see it, then there is They Still Call Me Bruce, which is another great title. And the best thing about that film is the poster. Yeah. Him right in a bull. On the, in the bull. <laughs> but I do like the first one. He, the, on some of the videos, he's... Because at the end, he's dressed up. He goes in disguise as a clown. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he's got the, the cover of the video with him in the clown costume. And That's right. The, and so he's pretending to be a mannequin in the, the clown in the clown outfit. And that image itself is just hysterical. Yeah. But yeah, as I was saying, the director of They Still Call Me Bruce went on to direct one of your previous recommendations, Mr. Destiny. Oh, wow. I didn't know that until yeah. I, I looked it up. All right. So given that that's a, a funny kind of chopsocky style of movie, here's a few comedy ones I'm going to reel off if you want to pick up on any of them to discuss. Good. And if, if, if not, we can just move on. But you've got Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. What a classic. You've got Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah. You've got Beverly Hills Ninja. Yeah. Which I adore. Tonga Ninja. Tonga Ninja. And Three Ninjas, but we'll just cast that one aside. And there's, there's a whole bunch of Three Ninjas movies. Oh, loads. Yeah, High Noon. Like massive oh, franchise. Yeah, yeah, Hulk Hogan's in one of them. Like, like, is that Three Ninjas of Magic Mountain? Like, <laughs> like they tie this in with a Disney ride? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, uh, there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's Hulk Hogan's in one. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that um, the guy from... The guy from... Um, the only thing I, I ever recognise him from, and he's in a bunch of these movies, but he's in... Uh, he's one of the... The bad, the bad guys in Big Trouble in Little China. He's the the guy with the um the bullet vest. Yep. Because uh, there's like there's Ali Young who's the guy with the meat cleavers. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know in this one, I think his name's Gordon something or another. But he's um he's got the bullet vest and he appears in a lot of these movies either as the he's either the mentor character or he's the <laughs> uh, the villain. And I'm pretty sure that he's in a couple of the three ninja the three ninjas. When movies. I when I said I was going to lay down a few comedy titles and you're welcome to pick up one for discussion, I was not anticipating it would be that, that one. one. <laughs> I haven't se- I haven't I haven't really seen one. Like I've just I used to play it at the video store because it was a good one to put on in the background. There's a few good multi packs out uh, there with that in there. Um, yeah. Tonga Ninja. If you are a fan of uh, Flight of the Concords, that's a it's a New Zealand comedy about yeah. a Tongan ninja. It's got uh, Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords. It's directed by one of the directors of that show. It's pretty damn good. Let's... It's it's great. But what's even better is the DVD for Tonga Ninja because they went to town with all like these comedy bits. Like if you don't press a button yeah. fast enough, there's like things that when you do press a button, things happen. Like there's like they worked in a lot of awesome stuff and they play the theme song over and over again, which has to be one of the catchiest theme songs of all time, the Tonga Ninja theme or whatever it is. Uh, I'm not going to, don't look at me like I, you know, I'm not going to sing it. I'm not doing it. I've been caught too many times. The story is told where the sand is gold and is never cold. The tale of the Tongan Ninja. The Tongan Ninja. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but back to, back to some serious ones for want of better phrase. Actually, you know, I think, um, I've really recently been getting into a lot of uh, Kira Kurosawa films because I've got a big box set of all of his titles. Some of those like Seven Samurai, Rashomon, Yojimbo, all that stuff, they're real forerunners to this kind of genre. I mean, they were like 10 to ten to 15 years before. Yeah, or, Lone Wolf yeah. and Cub, like that series. like that, That's a big series. There's like six mm. installments. So, But that's the thing. Like most of the time when people refer to Chop Saki movies, they actually they refer to the Hong Kong mm. uh, films. But there there is a like a rich history of it in Japan. And, yeah. And stuff going back, you know, 20, 30 years prior to this kind of, you know, Hong Kong explosion. Which kind of brings into that that 
it's that Roger Corman aesthetic. They're taking these prestigious films and then making cheap versions of them. Yeah. You know, you know, I to prepare for this conversation, I watched a few of the really cheap ones. Amazon Prime have some absolute gold. It's got some great ones. Yeah. Tubi also has some really good stuff. So I caught the Savage Five, which was I couldn't believe how good that looked on a streaming service. I thought yeah. it'd be like a VHS transfer, but it is like high definition, widescreen. That was a really good movie. Was um, it dubbed or was it subtitled? Oh, they are all dubbed. Yeah. I, I won't watch a Chopsocky movie that's not dubbed. It's not. It has to be dubbed for me. <laughs> you know, And that's not me like endorsing dub of foreign films in general. That's just for this particular genre. Yeah. You know, it's the whole Michael Winslow from Police Academy thing. Like, yeah. I just love it. Uh, Monkey Kung Fu was a pretty average one. I just sort of thought I'd watch that, but it has nothing on the Savage Five. Right. Neither of them have anything on Kung Fu of Eight Drunkards. I sent you a clip you of this the other night. It picture. is this is Kung Pao before Kung Pao. Yeah, and it's all about <laughs> the premise cracks me up. It's about a sensei and his student that are about to sort of pretty much hit the road and travel the country. But the problem is. <laughs> The sensei's banned from every town because he's been too drunk in those towns. So he has all these enemies from like people he's wronged in pubs and things like that. So it's just them trying to find a nice place to go. <laughs> and you saw the clip I posted of the, the sensei or the, the master. Yeah. Oh, hysterical. Uh, I think that was on Tubi. Go check out Kung Fu of the Eight Drunk Cards for sure. And also like the, the Street Fighter movies, the Sunny Chiba ones. They were hugely yeah. influential to me as well. And, then Simpl- the, and the spin-off uh, Sister Street Fighter. Yeah, simply because of um, Tarantino. Like, because mm. of the, the true romance, you know, they meet in the movie theatre with Sonny Chiba Street Fighter movies playing. Yeah. Glorious stuff. Should we move on to our next focus film? Like, as in, uh, yeah. next off our list? I'll go first again, if that's cool. I thought that was your focus film. No, I'm no. just reeling off oh, some ideas. I mean, did you research and watch any in between the ones that you've listed? Oh, I, like, I watched, I mean, I watched some of the classics, like 36 Chambers of Shaolin, Return to the 36 Chamber of Shaolin, which is like a comedy version of, and it's the same, I think it's the same cast, but yeah. like in, in a different scenario. They're all on good. there too, on Amazon Prime. Yeah, yes. totally. Uh, well, I'll focus on one real quick and then throw it to you. Okay. No, no, that's all right. This one, um, look, it's another American one that's kind of tacky, but damn, it's violent. It's Shoot Fighter, Fight to the Death. Shoot Fighter with Bolo Young, right? Yeah, with Bolo Young. Not only Bolo Young, you've got uh, Marion Diabo uh, from Living Daylights. You've got William Zabka and Martin Cove, both from Karate Kid. Now, this film, there were two cuts of this one. There was like, a, like an M-rated cut, if you will, for Australia, but then an R-rated cut, which is really violent so you see like guys getting their their throats ripped out you see a la, um patrick swayze in, in uh, roadhouse <laughs> yeah but even more graphic you see like um chunks of flesh being bitten off but then there's a scene where a guy's arm shatters right and like the flesh pops open and then like the shattered bone comes out like in slow motion with like sprays of sweat around it and oh, it's quite lovely. repulsive but awesome. Yeah, I mean, this came at a time when um, America was fascinated with that whole nice guy getting duped into illegal street fighting kind of thing. Yeah. You know, the, the Lionheart. Yeah. What a wrong bet type. Uh, Cage. Remember Cage? Yeah. What a great movie that was. I remember the video cover of Cage. Yeah, because it had that 3D <laughs> had the, thing. The bars, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, Shoot Fighter also on YouTube, just in glorious HD. So, I check think there's, that a, out. there's a sequel to it, isn't there? There's a Shoot Fighter 2, I think, as well. I think so. I haven't seen it, though. Yeah. But that's, think, that's one to get onto. I think that may have come out. I can't remember if it was Shoot Fighter or Shoot Fighter 2 that Payless 
put out back in the day when Two they Fighter were doing one. a whole bunch of I think um, budget one. ones. Yeah, right. That's where I first saw it. <coughs> on a Payless DVD. I have the Payless Pay DVD. DVD. It's got like eight films in it. Most of them have Michael Dudikoff in them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I may or may not have worked on some of those. Uh, I've got I've got the entire collection of Blood Fist. Yeah. <laughs> Or five, five. How? No, no, no. We've got like ten. I oh, think there's ten. That's right. No, yeah. that's right. We, we talked about this on the franchise episode because it had, it was almost, <laughs> it was tied for the most sequels, most number of sequels. And the interesting yeah. thing about that, just as a digression, is that um, oh, Donny Don Wilson was in all of those and played a different character in every in single everyone. movie. They weren't connected in any way. Oh, the Dragon Wilson, what a classic! All right, what do you got? Uh, well, this one, this is like this is actually a comedy one. Uh, that that you know, <laughs> like like similar to the to the ones that you've already mentioned, and I remember seeing this. I saw a trailer for this. Um, geez, it would have been in the in the nineties sometime when it was. It would have been a new release in so ninety one. So I was still in primary school at that yeah. time. Um, but it was a it was a martial arts erotic thriller. Was how it was billed, and the video cover was this was great. It was like a white kind of cover with a cutout in the center and it had like a flip cover and it the, I recall that. It's it was called the movie's called Nine and a Half Ninjas. <laughs> uh, and it's uh and the the half refers to the fact that the uh the star ninja played by uh Michael Fenice has a hand puppet called Mr. Ninja that uh is his innermost thoughts and desires. That, <laughs> Talks to people, and it's all, this is long before the beaver came along. This is it's, and it's long before uh, Mister Hand. <laughs> uh, but I, I wonder if I, I, I do wonder if they ripped if they, that's where they got the thing the 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 idea for Mister Hand from is from Nine and a Half Ninjas because it is a and yeah and so but in the, in the cutout is Andy Gray in lingerie the female lead. But it is it is I mean it, it is I can't stress this it is a terrible film. <laughs> like it is really bad, but it is so bad mm. that it is good. And it's directed by um, Aaron Barsky, who I think was using the name Aaron Worth at the time, who w- was who's mainly been a second. He was a second assistant director on Amityville Two: The Possession, one of our favourite films. Uh, he was first assistant director on things like When Harry Met Sally and Pretty Woman and, and Body Rock Man, of all things. If that pseudonym is not like a, a, a reach for approval, well, then yeah. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, and it starts, so yeah, so it starts, Andy Gray is the kind of, is the, and the, I suppose I should, the plot is basically these, um, uh, Michael Frenice and Andy Gray live in these apartment buildings in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert Fieldstein plays the uh, this evil property developer who buys their uh, apartments, and despite the fact that they've still got leases that allow them to stay there for a year, is is setting street toughs to kick everyone out of the houses because mm-hmm. he wants to redevelop them. Uh, and when Michael Fenice, uh, who is a uh, you know a ninja, <laughs> a white ninja who is you know um, <laughs> fights back, then. Uh, uh, Robert Fieldstein hires the best ninjas from around the world to come and uh, kick him out, and of course, and then Andy Gray, like that, you know, there's a kind of like a weird kind of a, like it's a, 
It, yeah, like there's a, it's like an erotic comedy. So it's it's essentially like batteries not included, but replace the the, the robots with yeah, freaking with ninjas sex, with, and <laughs> and sexy women. And the ninjas are all like it's all it's all totally played for laughs. Like yeah. it is like he um he interviews ninjas, the ninjas to hire, and there's like a cross dressing ninja, <laughs> and there's a uh, there's a jive talking ninja, and uh, like it's all you know. <laughs> Like all sorts of. It's a movie that would totally fly now, right? <laughs> yeah, totally, one hundred percent PC. And then, of course, and then at the end, um, the big bad ninja that he has to fight is played by a Tiny Lister Junior. Oh, um, glorious! And there is like, there's a you know, I mean, it's re- it's and it's really stupid comedy, but it is. Yeah, I was kind of shocked by how funny it was, despite how terrible it is. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is good, and there is. I mean, there is. There's boobs in it, which you know, I I approve of. There, uh, there are there are a lot of like a lot of references to to kung fu and to like you know just about every kind of action martial arts, even art house movies. Like it is a definitely one for kind of movie fans. I would say I've not seen it, and I'm going to add that to my list. And once again, Payless did release it on DVD locally, so it is out there. Should be on YouTube. Uh, I would imagine 100 percent it would be on YouTube. You heard it, everyone. Add that to your list. Uh, now we're going to throw it over to the Boneheads. Let's see what they make of this whole chop socky business. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. This week, Glenn asked us to do something. To be honest, this is the hardest damn thing he's asked us to do since we've been doing this. Yeah. Apparently, no, there's two I, genres. Apparently, there's two genres I need to work on. We're, we're just going to. I thought we were just going to recite this uh, lyrics to uh, Chop Suey by System of a Down. I don't know. But it's not Chop Suey, it's Chop Saki films. So and when, 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 Glenn te- when Glenn texted to this, I thought his autocorrect on his phone went haywire. I'd never heard of it. Who wants to go first of their favorite one? <laughs> <laughs> Let, no, actually, I, James, I Yeah, James, go, because he had no problem with this. I Machine have... Gun Girl, right? Machine Girl? And, and by the way, this technically doesn't even fall into it. I have friends who loved kung fu movies, so I did have friends in high school that watched kung fu movies. Well, I had a friend in high school. Well, he let me hang out with him. So so he loved things like, you know, Five Fingers of Death or whatever it was. But as I was saying about this, I thought about, and I know we're doing film, but I thought about one of the greatest uh, ninja actors of the 1980s. He played a ninja in the 80s, and I was like, he had to have done one of these films and sure enough he did i talk about the great martial arts actor mr lee van cleef now <laughs> you may know him as master ninja glenn's gonna but love this this is one of those james also ones. did the stranger and the gunfighter it's on tubi you can watch it for free it's called the stranger and the gunfighter it's also called blood money i love these films because they released them under 100 different names the plot to this film is uh, the the actor in it is Lo Lee. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. He is he teams up with uh, Lee Van Cleef because Lee Van Cleef broke into a safe, accidentally killed his uncle, and there is a treasure that he has to get back to a Chinese warlord. And the map to the treasure is hidden and divided into two, four pieces. And guess what, Joe? Where are those four pieces? They're tattooed on his four mistresses. So he oh, has to track I never would have guessed that. Women. I would have thought they were on his glove. He has to track down with Lee Van Cleef. They have to team up, this gunfighter and this martial artist, to track down four mistresses 
to get the map together, find this treasure to pay off. I'm excited. The I, want, I want to be a part China, of it. Let's do it. To pay off the warlord in China before he kills his entire family. Oh my goodness. I tell you, uh, oh man, my goodness. It's, it's called Blood Money. Check it out. It's on Tubi. It's on, on Tubi. It's under Blood Money. It is just a fascinating, fun film where you get to see Lee Van Cleef go, yeah, I did those Clint Eastwood movies. Now I'm doing this. I'm going to go next real quick. Mine is popular because of The Daily Show. Do you guys remember five questions on The Daily Show if you're in America? That clip with the head being exploded or smushed together is from what, James? Do you know off the top of your head? Rikio, the story of Ricky. It's basically came out, you know, I thought it was an older film, but actually it came out in 91, which technically doesn't fall where Glenn would like us to, but incarcerated for assault and manslaughter, a man survives in a futuristic prison by resorting to more extreme violence. Chad. When you think of martial arts stars, who's the first person that comes to your mind? Go. Lee Van Cleef. Lee Van Cleef. I'm Michael Dudikoff. You're both wrong. It's Fred Ward. So I'm going to talk about Remo Williams and the adventure begins. It. I looked up Chopsaki. It listed... Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. That's going to, what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> that movie involved the Shaw brothers. So Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, <laughs> is about an, a dead cop who is trained to become an extraordinary assassin in one of the, uh, which if, if the cancel culture ever gets a hold of this, this movie will never be seen again. Uh, he is trained by martial arts expert Chi Yun, who is played by the Asian actor Joel Gray. <laughs> that doesn't sound asian is he first cousins to jet lee uh yes sure we'll go with that if you and if you look at that movie it is the makeup in that is terrible you know that is a white man underneath all that prosthetics but uh it same is same guy uh, that did that same guy did the makeup did he also do soul man i would say maybe we maybe could look that up i don't uh, have my facts on that maybe you did a certain uh actor's makeup and you only live twice see thomas howe but it is not a typical martial arts film. And if you see Fred Ward try to do martial arts, it is one of the most hysterical moments in, in cinema history. So I want to re recommend Remo Williams. Well, you've had it. That's been our Chop Saki episode, Chop Suey, if you will, for Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Tune in next week for... Ah, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Bonehead Weekly, they're a podcast from Kentucky, and they are Joe, Chad, and James... I I enjoyed that. I I didn't. I'm glad they brought up Ricky, <laughs> Ricky O, the story of Ricky, because that is a uh, phenomenal piece of uh, martial arts cinema. <laughs> so find Bonehead Weekly online. Do the Google thing. Send them some love their way. Uh, they're on Facebook and everywhere else. Um, all right. So before we speed things along and pass it over to Adam, let's take a moment uh, to talk about some Hollywood mystic oriental movies uh, i haven't prepped you for this no so but i know that you can handle this one um <laughs> never seen it no <laughs> well the main one that comes to mind obviously you got big trouble in little china yeah uh you've got the golden child and brain smasher they all came around at the same time sort of celebrating that that kind of i guess aesthetic that that yeah oriental flavor what are some others that you can think of i've got showdown in little tokyo that's a good one that's a great one. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that in a while, but I remember that being a doozy. That was great. Uh, Red uh, Rising Sun, Rising Sean Sun. Connor and Wesley Snipes That's was right. pretty good. Um, Year of the Dragon with Mickey Rourke. Do you remember that? Yes, I and there was that. there was a lot of like Hong Kong '97, like a lot of kind of Albert like Good old Albert. Yeah, Street Fighter. Can't, can't forget Street Fighter <laughs> and Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Uh, yeah, for sure. You know. Which is coming back around. Which yeah, I mean that it'll never die. Like with the popularity of the of the 
um, the latest incarnations of the video games. Mm. Hey, did you say Miami Connection? I did say Miami Connection, but that is a great one. Yes, I oh. mean that is of a <laughs> of the of its time. Was that that's an eighties one that I think? Yeah, it might have been, or maybe not, maybe early nineties. I, I think it think might be like ninety one or whatever. Black Rain, love that one. Black Rain is great. Yeah, we did a podcast with Addison Heath and Jasmine Jacoupi about Black Rain. Right. Yeah, actually, Aston Elliott was there too. The whole gang. Yeah. Do you remember? I mean, this one's not a not an American one, but do you remember um, Moose of the Warrior? No. Do you remember that? It's, no. It's a Korean. Um, it's a Korean film, and it's it's great. It's like a um, it, Zhang Ziyu's in it, mm-hmm. and it played at MIF here. That's how how I saw it, and it's but it does play on the kind of the tensions between Korea and Japan. Yep, and um, they're like a they're a I believe they're a Korean delegation who have gone to Japan, uh, like a they're like the like a like an embassy kind of thing. Yep, but um, the, the Japanese have decided that they want to assassinate they, they, they've claimed insult and want to assassinate all of them so they've got to kind of try and trek back and cross the yellow sea and get back to korea mm. and zhang ziyu is a um like she's the i think she's a diplomat's daughter or so she's some kind of princessy type type character yep who is incredibly stuck up and arrogant and she is not in this film she's not a martial artist at all uh and it, there's like an old man and his like assistant and they're just along. They're like he's a the old man's a scribe. Right. And the guy's like this homeless the homeless guy who happens to also be a martial arts master, and he is not in any way interested in <laughs> protecting any of the soldiers on this mission or the princess. All the only person he cares about is the old man. And but then the old man dies. But then he kind of reluctantly helps. And it's kind of like it's it's a, like a warriors type right. thing where they like a Homer's Odyssey where they have to get back. They're trying to get home. Uh, in in enemy territory, and it's really good, like a really good. Cool. Uh, I would say it'd be early two thousands kind right. of kind of movie. It was like after because after Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out, there was a massive influx Damn again straight. of these. You know, thanks to Madman and um, mm-hmm. AV Channel and Siren. Yep. And things like Avalon. Like there was a there was just this and Myth started playing a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Avalon and. Uh, yeah. Um, stuff like it was around the same time that, you know, when the J horror took off as well at the same time with Ring and Absolutely. Audition. And, That's a whole nother, know, all, all that kind whole of nother discussion. Yeah. That was, a, that was a really good way to, um, to pad the time between segments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just here for the padding. That's why I eat so much McDonald's. <laughs> hey, have you seen Ong Bak? I have seen Ong Bak. Well, so is Adam. Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen with another good movie Monday recommendation. This week, we're doing kung fu. We're doing cheap kung fu. I like cheap kung fu. My favorite cheap kung fu movie is Ong Bak. Now, this movie blew uh, well my doors off its hinges when I saw it. That to be really indulgent about my experience with this film. I come from Albury, a place that's got a pretty rad regional cinema, and we had our first ever international Albury Film Festival. Now, me being the nerd that I was, I was already into international film, but I begged some of my friends, I'm like, please, please just come to some of these movies with me, and they're rolling their eyes, and like, I don't want to watch some foreign shit, I'm not going to go and check this out, and I'm like, just, I've seen this trailer for this movie, this Muay Thai movie that's coming out called Ung Bak. It just looks batshit crazy. Come with me. So I took a handful of my mates, my my bros, the guys that we would normally watch movies with Jean-Claude Van Damme or Arnold Schwarzenegger, to Ong Bak, and we just went apeshit. We couldn't believe what was going on with this movie. And look, 
the legacy of Ongbark is quite incredible. And I think that we see it to this day where we're getting the integration of real hits and, you know, CGI glass. And, you know, we want to see our actors and stunt people take hits. We want the fights to look like they hurt. And they do now in things like John Wick, the Mission Impossible films. But here, this isn't assisted with any kind of CGI. This is just life is cheap on the set of Ongbark. This is people getting elbowed in the face, kneed in the chest. Um, and this was the introduction of Tony Jaa, who has had a pretty colorful and spotty career in, uh, just read about him on the internet, go and have a deep dive after this. But look, the dude can throw his hands, right? And so as a calling card, it just showed that this guy is willing to do anything to take someone out. He's completely lethal and it was presented in such a non-bullshit way. Um, and it even extends itself to a handful of kind of like foot chases and things like that. The plot of this is just is paper thin, all right? I mean, Tony Jaa is playing Ting, a guy who is after Ongbark, which is a statue that someone has stolen. But that's really all you need to know. It just gives him a reason to go from fighting tournament to fighting tournament as I said before, elbowing people in the scone. And um, yeah, but just look, if you want just like, you know, ferocious fighting on the screen and you want to have shit that will make you throw your popcorn and go, my God, that guy is definitely in the ER, then you need to check out Ong Bak. Um, definitely one of the toughest movies that I've seen in this. I did like Echoes of the Raid and stuff like that. So if you get my vibe, so Ong Bak, yeah, is like a, it's like a one-star movie with five-star action inside it. So in my books, that makes it a five-star movie. Check it out. Wow, thank you, Adam Ross. Um, <laughs> you can find Adam uh, on Adam's Just Seen on Facebook. He also co-hosts a weekly show on Ticker TV called Ticker Streaming, and he now has a weekly spot on Triple M. Wow. Yes, which um, Monday just gone. Um, well, he is a personal trainer by uh, trade, so where else would a personal trainer be <laughs> on the radio but on Bloke FM? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, actually, last Friday is when his first um, his first segment went up, and then I think every Friday moving forward. So, and that, that's why that's why he deserves his own theme song. <laughs> that's right. He is also the chairman of the Australian Film Critics Association, which may have something to do with why Triple M have got him on. Right. All right. Now, before we bring this baby home, Ben, have you got anything else there? Well, look, I, quickly, I will mention uh, two films that I that I watched. All right. uh, one really quickly, which is Undefeatable from 1993, directed by Godfrey Ho, starring Cynthia Rothrock. It is a, I mean, we can't do a, a martial arts <laughs> themed episode and not talk about Cynthia Rothrock, but this movie is great. Like, she's part of a street gang that, that um, participate in martial arts kind of, a gang war with other for money mm -hmm. with other kind of martial arts gangs, but her sister, who who she's doing all this stuff to put her sister through college so she can become a doctor, um, gets killed by this this guy played by um, uh, Don Neum, whose name is he's, the character's name is Stingray, who's this violent psychotic. Who at the start of the film, his wife, she, he's super controlling. His wife decides to leave him, so he kills her. And plucks out her eyes like with this martial arts move. Oh, love it. And then he kind of has this psychotic break. And any woman that he comes across in his head, he, he thinks that it's his wife leaving him again. So he and he's like this you know, awesome martial artist. So he <laughs> he kills them and plucks their eyes out. And he so he's, there's a spate of killings, and one of them happens to be Cynthia Rothrock's sister. So she teams up with the cop and it's, they, they yeah. hunt it down. It's great. Has it? Do they collect the eyeballs? Uh, I don't know what they do with the eyeballs, actually, because he keeps trying. I don't know if he keeps them. 
I don't know what he does. If he keeps them in a jar in the fridge, I don't know what he does with them. <laughs> he does. He definitely plucks them out, and it's pretty kind of gory kind of stuff. Good stuff. It's great. But the other one I wanted to talk about was uh, probably my favorite film of 1996 is uh, Corey Wen's DOA Dead or Alive. Oh, my God. Based on the video game. Hang on, are we talking about with Holly Valance? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Said with such enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> it stars, it's directed by Corey Yuen, who is also responsible for another great martial arts film, No Retreat, No Surrender, the film that gave uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme his first uh, lead role. Uh, but it's, <laughs> the cast is great. Jamie Presley plays a, like a wrestler martial artist. Holly Valance, who at the time I think would, had maybe, maybe just come out with uh, Kiss Kiss. Like, so she was, you know, she <laughs> come post, off neighbors, post big M, uh, big M girl, post neighbors, and just started to hit, hit the international pop scene. <laughs> pop scene. Who knew that she was only going to come up with one more song after Kiss Kiss? It would tank, and she'd be, she'd pretty much disappear. Never saw that coming. Uh, but it, it uh, Sarah Carter, uh, Natasha Moth from the the Electra uh, spin off movie, uh, Devin Aoki, Eric Roberts is the villain. It's classic right there with Eric Roberts. Kevin Nash appears in it. It's produced by Paul W.S. Anderson, of all people. Mate. It is... I remember that, actually, his name being on that. It is like a flashy uh, kind of... <laughs> not. It's not all women, but all the women are in bikinis during their fight scenes. They play beach volleyball. It is... And it had like... a really awful DVD cover. No, it has a... Gr- I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Everything about this movie is awesome. It is... Uh... <laughs> It couldn't come with a higher recommendation from me. I I tracked down the Blu-ray. I think it only got bl- released in Blu-ray. It definitely only got released overseas. Never got released Blu-ray here, but I don't think many countries are bothered. Wow. Uh, I got the Blu-ray. I was actively hunting vinyl, like the Thai, Thai um, when they released the film in Thailand, they did these massive uh, vinyl banners that I was you know, <laughs> stalking on eBay. <laughs> Like it is a uh, phenomenal film. One thing I can guarantee you is that it's never played at the Astor. Never, never. And the Astor are, of course, friends of the show. And we're going to go through what they've got coming up on their lineup for this week. We do this every week. Um, we will have some amazing uh, giveaways from the Astor coming up tonight, which is March the fifteenth. You can get along to see a lizard in women's skin. Classic. Um, as well as that's doubled up with the bird with the crystal plumage, which is our classic Dario Argento. A giallo, a giallo. That's seven thirty, and then on Thursday we have the. Is that the one with? Is it the one with the model? And the, it's the, it's one of those. It's a locked room mystery. Yeah, yeah. It's very Hitchcockian. Yeah, yep. Then on Thursday night we have a powerful Indigenous double bill of High Ground and the Australian Dream. That's at seven thirty. Then finally on Friday they're playing David Burns American Utopia and get this Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, which we spoke about on last week's show. Is that a double feature? That's a double banger. Right from seven thirty. It's a strange one. Yeah, what was the first film? David Burns' American Utopia. Okay. You know, Talking Heads, Dave Burns? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I always thought he only did uh, Talking Heads, like, movies. Like, Stop Making Sense. Was it Stop Making Sense? What's that? Uh, yeah, that's just the, yeah. the Jonathan Demme and doco. Didn't he do... Did he do Newsies? Is that a uh, David Byrne? I don't know. That was a, Is it? We did mention it briefly on uh, the Rob Duvall he, episode. Because um, he's in it. But yeah, uh, I thought he... Maybe he did the music or... He did the music for that film with Sean Penn where Sean Penn looked like Robert Smith from The Cure. Uh, Wish you could have been here or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know what I mean. And it's the guy's an Escher or something? Is that what it is? Or is that the one with... Is Escher someone out the... the um, <laughs> what's it, who's the one that looks like a little kid from Third Rock from the Sun? 
Who's that guy? David Love Hewitt. Yeah, it's Gordon uh, Hewitt. Gordon, Gordon, Gordon Love Hewitt. I can't Far remember out, man. If, if, if that Escher movie is Sean Penn or him, and they they are not in any way. You cannot confuse them. But when they're dressed up as Robert Smith, yeah, you can't confuse them. Yeah, they could be the same person. Just like you know, mate, what a shit show this has become. <laughs> <laughs> How about some giveaways? All right, this week uh, in a push to build our audience, we want you guys to do that thing again where you share the show and invite your friends um, on all on our social media and get your friends to send us a private message telling us that you sent them, and um, then you'll both win prizes. You will win a double pass for the Lunar Drive-In, which gains you two car loads, um, three to seven people seated legally per car, and from Eagle Entertainment, we have the new release movie, Burn, and Followed, and your friend will find themselves winning a mystery prize from one of our other several sponsors. We're done, Ben. Lovely. No end of the show recommendations because all we've been doing is recommending stuff. I mean, you could check out Ip Man 1 and 2 by Donnie Yen if you really... You don't fancy the rest of the Ip Man movies? Yeah. Uh, th- or 3, he fights Mike Tyson, it's a, <laughs> which is... I mean, it is awesome, but the, the, the actual movies aren't as good. And Ip Man 4, which is the latest one, like Donnie Yen is clearly too old to be to still be playing <laughs> uh, Ip Man. And uh, it's just, the end is such a kind of... like it always They all build up to this... Massive fight scene at the end, and the end of this one is a bit, a bit disappointing. Well, you don't watch those ones. No, because I, 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 can't, I can't remember, but I think it is Ip Man Comes to America. That's like it's the fourth one. Because like the, the first one is in Foshan in China, the second one is gone to Hong Kong. I think the third one might still be set in Hong Kong. But then the fourth one is come to like San Francisco or something. This is like the Gods Must Be Crazy franchise all over again. Yeah. Crazy Hong Kong, <laughs> Gods bottle, Must Be Funny that in China. That bottle just travels. <laughs> Uh, also thank you to Jared, Guillermo, Adam, Joe, Chad, James Thank you Ben, it's been heaps of fun Thanks to Eagle Entertainment, Luna Drive-In, Astor Theatre and Four Pillars Gin for their ongoing support And thanks to you for listening We love that you do Here's a treat for you uh, It's from the Kill Bill Volume 1 soundtrack It is Battle Without Honour or Humanity from Do you want to pronounce this one for me? Tomoyushu Hote <laughs> Yeah, that sounds good <laughs> You all know it. It's awesome. Have a great week, everyone. We'll be back next week with Clayton Jacobson. I need a drink. Far out. What a shamozzle. (laughs) 